This is Coach Aaron Saft and the MR Running Pains Podcast. Today I had um, actually a lot of questions come in over the past week, and I appreciate those coming in. So I figured I would just take this opportunity to to answer some of those things. Um, and, you know, some of them are review, and I'll talk about some podcasts where you can go back and reference uh, some of those. Um, also, um, check out my previous newsletters. Um, there's a ton of resources, articles, everything within my, my previous newsletter. So, um, if you find yourself have some time and you just want to start going back through the newsletters, they are on my website as are all of the old podcast episodes. Um, you can also search on Podbean, uh, for my, my podcast. Everything is in the show notes. So, um, but yeah, check out my website. The old podcasts are there. The old newsletters are there. They're under the uh, <clears throat> connect page. So uh, you can search and find what you're looking for. Um, but uh, just a few other resources that uh, I may say, you know, hey, check these out. But um, like I said, some great questions that came in. So thank you so much for those. Um, I'm going to start out with uh, the, a question from Josh. Josh, thanks for uh, emailing me. Uh, Josh is one of my athletes. I'm not going to answer all of his questions because he had some other uh, questions that you know we'll we'll talk about um, together. But I thought one of his questions really was great and pertained to everyone, and that is drop bags. Um, what what do you do with drop bags? What uh, what's the best plan of, and course of action? Now, if you want to go back to episode thirty. Um, of the podcast, I did a, a a whole drop bag episode, so you can check that out. Um, I go really in depth on some things, but um, let me just give you some major takeaways so that you know uh, I don't I don't do the whole podcast over again on drop bags. So um, uh, first off, size. So um, what are you looking to um, to uh, to have at your station? Uh, that that kind of um, you know. Uh, will will help you define what size you want. Um, I typically Ziploc makes uh, great storage bags. They're plastic and they're waterproof, so I use them, and they come in all different sizes. So depending on what you want to have in your drop bag, um, you can you know buy the like you know whatever. I, I would say there's like large and extra large are probably the biggest that you're going to need from the. Uh, the Ziploc brand, uh, and, and you know you can pick those up. Uh, Walmart, Target, um, Ace Hardware has them by me, so um, you know they're, they, you can find them anywhere. I'm sure you can find them on Amazon and online as well. But um, the Ziploc brands are what I use. They're clear, right? So you can see what's in your drop bag. You can, you can make sure that you know what you're looking for is in there. You probably see it from the outside, hopefully. Um, but that's what I use. Those two different sizes, large and extra large. Um, large I use if I really don't need much gear. It's mainly like a hydration and nutrition resupply. And then extra large I use as long as it's okay by race rules. Um, you know, it's it's not huge, but some races do have rules as to how big your bag can be. So check those. You know, check those rules. Um, and uh, extra large uh, again, I use it for when I need uh, shoes and uh, you know change of clothes, all that kind of stuff, so that I have more room. 
Um, but once again, check your race rules. Uh, there's also room on there for labeling. So you can, you know, put your race number, your name, all that stuff on there, um, onto the bag in, uh, in Sharpie so that, you know, you can see it. Um, I, I always use, um, I, I find like a, a duct tape with, with some kind of bright color, you know, or two bright colors that will stand out and I'll put like a big X, you know, on the bag so that I can see like one strip is one color, one strip's another color. That way I can ID my bag really easily when I get into the aid station or I can tell, uh, you know, a volunteer if they're going to go look for it. It has a huge X with uh, yellow and pink duct tape, <laughs> uh, something like that. Um, you know, something that contrasts and stands out. So it's really easy to locate. Um, but yeah, so two different size bags. Again, they are waterproof just in case your uh, bag is exposed to the elements either in transport or while at the aid station so that your stuff doesn't get all wet and soggy. Um, so, um, you know, great, great use for, for bags there. They're cheap. Uh, if you don't need it and they're going to be thrown away, uh, you know, I, I hate to be wasteful, but you know, it's, it's nothing that you'll miss, right? Like not like some people use like, uh, their dry bags, you know, like the river dry bags for, uh, for aid stations. And, you know, those things are expensive and I would hate to, uh, you know, to leave that behind or forget it or, you know, that's just, um, so um, yeah. And, uh, actually, um, I believe orange mud, uh, the company orange mud, they make a drop bag as well. Um, and so like, it's the same idea behind the Ziploc. Um, but if you want to support a brand, uh, you know, a running brand, orange mud does make those, um, drop bags, same idea, you know, a Ziploc sealable waterproof bag. So you can check those out. Um, I'll try to put a link to the show notes for those guys. Um, and, uh, that way you can check those out. Um, and then organizing, uh, that's the other big thing. Um, what I like to do is I put things within, uh, the drop bag in their own bags organized by what they are. So, you know, I may put all my nutrition in a Ziploc bag and then put that in my drop bag. Um, or, you know, my hydration powder and it's its own bag. Um, or sticks, whatever I'm using, you know, they're going to be in their own separate bag. That way, like I can pull out what I need. And the other thing is too, uh, if you pull these things out, you know, um, and you know, you get going, you can just, you know, get on the trail. You don't have to like restuff your pack right there. It saves you time. You just grab it and, you know, you can, uh, you can take it out what you need, um, store the Ziplocs, you know, for future use in your pack, uh, and keep moving. So you don't waste time at the aid station. So, uh, that's the other thing I like about organizing everything in individual bags is you can kind of just throw stuff in your pack and keep moving, um, rather than, you know, trying to sort through things and then put it into your pockets, just a time saver, being able to just grab what you need and, and just get going. So, um, so yeah, I put everything in Ziploc bags, um, inside the bag so that it's organized. Um, the other thing to think about is, uh, you know, what are going to be your needs? Okay. Um, you're going to hit this aid station at a certain time. Um, so with that said, what are the conditions going to be? Do you need anything, you know, different? What's the time of day? Um, you know, are your nutritional and hydration needs? Are they, are they different? Do they need to be met in a different way? You know, more hydration, more calories, different calories. You know, you should have some options in your bag, you know, like having the same gel over and over again. It just, it, I can't do it. <laughs> I don't know many folks that can. So have a variation within your pack, you know, have those, uh, those options so that you can say, all right, you know, this is, this is what I'm going with. 
Um, is it going to be hot or cold? You know, do you need uh, another layer or do you need another shirt? Do you need a, you know, a backup pair of shorts? Like, are they chafing you and bugging you? So, you know, think about those kind of things. Um, is it wet or dry? You know, if it's wet, especially you're going to need some other gear, uh, you know, potentially new socks or shoes. So, um, all of those things should be taken into consideration when you're planning the organization of your drop bags. Uh, what time of day will you potentially hit this? What are the conditions going to be? Okay. And, and will you have on you what you need or would you be good to grab something, you know, at an, at an aid station? So that's where, you know, especially in these wet conditions that, you know, the waterproofing comes in handy, you know, pulling out dry socks is just miraculous when you've been in wet, you know, sloppy socks for a while. And, um, I mean, it's great to change shoes too at that time, because if you just put your wet shoes back on, it's like you really didn't do much. So, um, you know, having those dry socks and dry shoes is just a, a godsend. So, but things to think about, you know, and then again, um, do you have your lights on you? Do you have your batteries? Um, you know, what, uh, what do you think? Like, do you need, uh, do you need them at a certain time or a certain aid station? Uh, are you planning to pick those up? Will you be there in time before it's dark? You know, all things to consider. So, um, but again, go back and listen to episode 30. I go really in depth on the drop bag. Um, so, but um, I hope that answers some of your questions, Josh. Um, if you have any other questions, you know, about drop bags or anything, just, you know, let me know. Um, another question that came in, uh, and this is actually from another one of my athletes, but I felt it very pertinent, was how do we fit it all in? <laughs> that's a, you know, that's a conundrum that we run into. You know, we, uh, we as a society are busy. We do a lot of things. Um, believe me right now, you know, juggling everything right now is, um, it's, it's very difficult. You know, I, I, um, I have my kids, right. And their activities. Um, I have, I am coaching at the high school. I am coaching all my athletes and then, uh, I'm preparing for hellbender. Right. And then I'm still trying to be a dad <laughs> and a husband <laughs> and a son, you know, it's so you've got all these things that happen, you know, and I have to manage the house too. So like, how do you, how do you juggle all this? What, like what, you know, how can training take place when you're trying to juggle, uh, your, your home life and your professional life and then, you know, train and do things, uh, so that you can be prepared for your event. Um, well, the answer is you have to look at all of those other things first, right? Because um, they probably all take precedent over your training, right? So you have to look at all of those things and what time will they take? Where are they going to get done in your day? And when you have that schedule kind of laid out, you're like, okay, here's, you know, here's when I have to do everything else. Then what is open for you? Where is available for you to fit in your run? right? Like, you know, is it, is it early in the morning before everybody wakes up? Is it in the evening, but you know, after everybody goes to bed, is it midday at lunch? Is it right after work? You have to figure out where the time affords you the opportunity to fit in your run. And you have to be willing to, to sacrifice sometimes. Okay. So, you know, I've got an hour on the schedule today, but all I really have time for is 45 minutes. 45 minutes is much better than zero, right? So, you know, be okay, be okay. And that's what I've had to be okay with recently is just, this is what I can fit in today. You know, this is what I would have liked to have done, but the reality is this is what I can fit in. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy just the, to go out for a run and, you know, um, take a moment and, and decompress and relax and, and just be grateful for the fact that I'm out running. So, um, yeah, 
fit it in where you can. And it, it may be, you know, oh, well, you know, the kids are home. Um, I have to jump on the treadmill or I can only stay within this radius of my house. Um, you know, there's been many times where I just hop on the treadmill. You know, the kids may have questions about homework or something and I'm right there. You know, they can ask me and if I need to hop off and help them with something, I can. Or, you know, I my road is, is about a half mile out and then I just do that and back you know, just repeat, uh, you know, I just go back and forth. And that way, I'm never too far from my kids, you know, if they need me, and you know, they're at home. Um, I have my phone on me in case they can call me and say, Hey, I need some help. Or, you know, if something's going on. Can you come back home? I'm not far, I can just, you know, come back. So it's just being willing to, you know, make use of what is accessible to you. Is it the treadmill? Is it just staying near the house? Uh, you know, so um, accommodating everybody else and then fitting it in that way is, is another way to, you know, to get in your, your training. Um, it's very hard. I like, you know, there's it's, and especially the long runs. I understand that it's very hard, very, very hard to be away from your family. I like, I completely understand, you know, that uh, weekends are family time. I love that. You know, I like uh, the Saturdays, um, I feel are consumed with, uh, you know, soccer and track meets and, um, and everything else, gymnastics, you know, there, there's just a million things that the kids have going on on Saturdays. I get that. Uh, so, you know, that sometimes that requires me getting up early and I just have to get up earlier and go run. Or sometimes it's, you know, I have to wait till the end of the day when everybody else's activities are done. I can go sneak off for a little bit and get, you know, get my run in. Same thing on Sundays, you know, Sundays, I, I love having Sundays as a family day to do stuff, catch up with the family, do stuff around the house. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, my, my, <laughs> I'm sure my training partners, if they listen to this episode, they roll their eyes because they know, like, I'm like, hey, can we go a little bit earlier? Because <laughs> I like to be done. I, I don't want my day to pass away because I was out running for, you know, my long run, four hours, whatever it is, uh, you know, and it, I took up most of the day because I, you know, I didn't get up to get it done. Uh, so I get up early. I make that sacrifice. Yeah. You know, I may go to bed a little bit earlier on Saturday night just so I can get my sleep. But, you know, at the same time, like I'm not going to waste uh, my family's time. So I know a lot of folks that do the same thing. You know, they, they make that sacrifice to get up earlier. And I know some of you say, I, you know, I just can't get up early and run. And, well, you know, it, it's a sacrifice, right? Like uh, if you don't want to sacrifice family time, but you want to get your training in, that's what you have to do sometimes. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's, it's hard sometimes. Uh, you know, and as I just said a little bit ago, you know, there's times where it's, you just don't have time for everything. I get that, you know, like, but it's better to just go out and get in 20, 30 minutes if you can, you know, uh, it's, it's better for you mentally, your, your personal health, you know, you have to look at it that way too, as you getting out is good for you personally to, to be a, you know, a well-rounded, healthy individual to get your, your fitness activity in. So, you know, look at it in that regard. It's not selfish for you to want to be healthy, um, to want to be the best version of you for your family. Cause you're cranky if you don't go run, right? Are you going to be happy being around your family when you're like, dang, I didn't get my run in today. Uh, is that frustrates you? You know, does it affect your mood? Look at it that way. Like it, you'll feel better for, for going out and getting something in. So, um, so that's how um, I would address fitting it all in, you know, is just looking at your schedule and figuring out, okay, you know, I have to get everything else done first. And with that, what time is left over? And then you can fit in your run into that slot. Um, had a great question come in about uh, techniques uh, for um, or training ideas to improve uphill hiking um, and um, 
uh, in in races and such. So um, I want to uh, just make sure I thank Tara uh, for for sending this in. Uh, she had two questions, and I'm try to get to each of them. So um, the first, again, techniques uh, or training ideas to improve uphill hiking in races. So. All right. Um, well, uh, Tara, let me start by saying um, I had an episode with um, Franny Conte. It was episode 60, and we talk about mo- mountain running and training in the mountains. So I would reference you back to that episode. Go back to episode 60. Okay. We talk about a lot of things there, but let me give you some bullet points. Okay. Um, you know, so um, first thing is. Um, Nothing replicates a hill like a hill. <laughs> um, if you can get out on a hill, no matter what size it is, no matter how steep, um, that that's the first thing, right? Uh, and just being able to practice hiking uphill, you know, whether that is like, you know, a few hundred feet, uh, and it's, it, it, I mean, steep or not, you know, whatever you have available to you, use a hill. That's the first thing. Practice hiking up the hill efficiently. Okay. Whether it's on the road, trail, grass, whatever, you know, use, just use a hill. If you don't, there, there are folks that obviously do not have hills. Some people have to go use bridges, right? Uh, to get some kind of incline. And some people may just live where it's flat and they don't have anything. Uh, in those cases, I would say, look for parking garages or buildings with stairs, you know, a lot of floors of stairs. Um, you know, I, I know one gentleman that <laughs> he uses his office building and just does, you know, uh, stair repeats during lunch. Um, you know, I have an athlete that, that works at the hospital and, you know, has so many days on and, and can only fit in, you know, doing some stairs on certain g- given days. So, um, you know, do use stairs, use parking garages. Those are other ideas. If you don't have access to those, use a treadmill, use a treadmill at incline. Okay. Start with a basic incline, you know, maybe uh, seven, eight degrees, um, of, of incline, uh, 7% incline, and then work up from there. Uh, And, you know, depending on what race you're training for, how steep the hills are, you know, that's what gradient you have to get used to. Um, you know, I'd like, um, I think that's practicing at like a 16%. If you can get yourself comfortable at 16% incline, that's about where hiking becomes more efficient than running. So practicing at that gradient on a treadmill is awesome. That's like, that's great. So, you know, if you're looking to practice, um, you know, uphill training and you don't have access to hills, um, and you want to just practice sustained climbing, use the treadmill and you can, you know, as you get comfortable with 16, if you want to bump it up even more, uh, you know, going up to like 18, uh, again, just depending on what the severity of the inclines are on your, your race, uh, that's, that's a great preparation. So using a treadmill or, uh, um, you know, I've, I have friends that use the, the Stairmaster, uh, you know, at the gym, they just do Stairmaster to, uh, to, to replicate, you know, hill climbing, which obviously it's not the same thing. Um, you know, even doing, st- you know, stairs in a, a building, it's not the same thing, but you know, it's, it will mimic it to some degree. It's doing the best you can with what you have. So, um, yeah, get comfortable with, with, uh, with practicing at incline, whatever that may look like. If it's outside, if it's on the treadmill, if it's in a parking garage, just going up the ramps, whatever you have, use it. And, you know, I would say twice a week you practice it. Practice your power hiking. You're not going to be efficient at hiking if you don't practice it. It's just like running. 
So if hiking is part of your regimen for your races, you have to practice it so that you become more efficient with it. Um, I'd also suggest if the race allows to use poles. I think poles are a tremendous, tremendous, uh, you know, asset in, uh, in, you know, really hilly or mountainous uh, race courses. Um, Trail Runner Nation just did a great episode um, on using poles. And I think the one thing that like I really um, took away from it is use the pole, like learn to use it. The, the, we Sometimes we just kind of tick along and the, the pole's not doing much. You're just kind of tapping the ground on an uphill. You should be digging in and using your arms, you know, generate force from your poles. That's what they're there for. Use the full extension, learn how to use the full extension of a pole. If like a outdoor shop is presenting like a, you know, a using poles workshop, go check it out. See what you can pick up. See what you can learn. Uh, you know, I was, when I was at Hard Rock, <coughs> um, my pacer Morgan was like, hey, Aaron, you know, let go of the pole and get full extension. And like, I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I like I wasn't even getting full extension. I didn't recognize that, you know, I, I had to let go and, and kind of push further. So, I mean, there is, there's really good technique to using it on the uphills, but yeah, I suggest, you know, getting and using and learning how to use poles. That's another tremendous asset, um, you know, for, uh, for hills and, and being better and more efficient on the hills. So if your race allows it, you know, I suggest it, they can save your legs cause you're going to be, you know, having more points of contact and using other muscles, uh, rather than just the legs, uh, you know, on your climb. So, um, yeah, totally. Um, then the other thing that I suggest is, um, you know, not only hiking, uh, but doing some hill repeats with running, uh, you know, I, I like doing some strides. Uh, I would just start out with maybe 10 to 20 second strides, um, you know, on a, on just a, a gradual incline. Again, you want to kind of build into how much incline you're doing. Right. Uh, and with, with hill strides, it never has to be too steep. You can, you know, seven to even, I mean, 10%, maybe a little bit much on, on hill repeats. But, uh, if you're, you know, if you're, if you understand that incline at a, on a treadmill, you'd want to picture that incline outside you know, if you're doing them outside. So, you know, seven, seven, eight percent is great for hill repeats. Uh, and again, you know, starting at 10 to 20 seconds, um, you know, up, you're going to, you're going to do full charge. Like you're racing a 5k hard, not all out, but hard. Uh, and then your recovery is back to the start. Make sure that you are recovered. Make sure your legs are good. Make sure your breathing's back to normal. And then, you know, repeat and build up your repeats. Start with four to six and start, you know, gradually building them up. When you get to, you know, eight to 10 repeats and you're comfortable with that, move up the time interval. Okay. Drop back the, the amount of repeats that you're doing. You may be able to go back to four to six repeats, but build it up. Then 20 or 30 seconds, depending on what you're building up to. Um, you know, and 30 second repeats are great. You know, if, if you're doing 30 second repeats and you can do eight to 10 of them, that's fantastic. You're, you're strong. This, that's going to really help your running and your hiking. You're going to be stronger on the Hills and a stronger runner. So, you know, I, I do suggest hill repeats, um, you know, and, and just like I was talking about earlier, you know, if you're practicing hiking once to twice a week, hill repeats are great to have in your regimen. Uh, and again, once to twice a week, uh, you can throw them in, uh, you know, uh, you can put them in on your medium long run. You can put them in um, on a regular run where the next day is a recovery day. Okay. Um, you can put them in at the end of the long run or in the long run. You can make it a fartlek. There's so many different ways you can do it. 
Okay. But practicing and doing some hill strides is, I, I think it's an asset and to your training and you'd be doing yourself a favor. So that's the other thing I would suggest. All right, Tara, I hope that answered your question on the, uh, the hills and getting better. Um, cause nothing beats practicing. Her other question was strength training for ultras. Um, here I have three different episodes. The first episode I talked about it was episode seven. Um, and then in episode 15, 15, uh, Travis Blackfoot and I discussed strength training for runners. And then in episode 92, Kelly Moylan and I discussed strength training. Um, the key here, uh, and she's, uh, Tara asked specifically strength training for ultra runners. Okay. Strength training for ultra runners, um, which is a great question. And, you know, I, I believe in a strong body. I, I absolutely believe in a strong body. Um, and you know, I, I want folks to, to stay healthy, um, uh, and be the best runners they can be. Now, um, is strength training uh, a necessary for ultra running? It's not a necessary. Okay, um, it, nothing takes the place of running. Uh, does it enhance your running as an ultra runner? N- very minimally, and that's why I say it's not necessary. Okay, you may improve your ultra running by maybe a percent <laughs> by doing strength training. So what's the benefit of strength training? Well, it keeps your, again, it keeps your body strong. It, it helps you recover. Uh, and it helps, um, you stave off injury because hopefully, you know, your, your muscles are strong enough to cope with the demands you're putting on them. But that said, with the amount of training that we do for ultra running, if your volume is such that, you know, that's all you have. If you were to add something else, you would add too much fatigue to your system. Then it's not worth it. Okay. So, um, you know, as Jason Coop says, if you have the energy that you think you could lift, then, you know, I, we'd rather see you do more volume. We'd rather see you do more runtime, you know, versus adding gym time, add more runtime, you know, for ultra running, because that's what's going to make you ultimately better at ultra running is is more running. So a lot of times we we think about, well, how do you know, um, how can I incorporate strength training? Well, again, you know, it's more can you incorporate more volume into your training? Because that's what's ultimately going to make you a better runner. Um, If you're, you know, if you're key on it, if you're key on strength training, uh, you know, I would suggest doing uh, kind of power movements, that are going to use your entire body, uh, you know, deadlifts, uh, squats, uh, you know, push presses, uh, cleans. So, you know, Olympic lifts, in other words, and you can use dumbbell or, you know, ideally, uh, an Olympic bar, uh, to do the, the exercises. But, you know, that said with the caveat that you need to learn how to do these exercises. So, you know, potentially having a, a trainer or, you know, uh, a coach show you how to do these movements. That's, that's ideal. Um, and you want to lift heavier with lower reps. Okay. So, you know, maybe 80% of your maximum is, is what you want to lift. And then you're looking four to six reps and then you're going to do that, you know, potentially four sets. Okay. So heavyweight, low reps, high sets. Okay. Uh, that's, that's what you're looking to do for lifting. Now, when you get to your maximum volume of training, 
that's a good time to take strength out because we don't want to take anything away from our system to allow it to recover. Okay. We want to recover from the runs and we don't want to add any more stress to the system. We just want to be able to run. <laughs> um, so when you get to those, like, you know, uh, that I, I term it like a, a six week block before your taper, that's a good time to take out strength training and just focus solely on volume and building up that volume. Anytime before that, you can add strength training as long as it's not diminishing your ability to recover or your ability to run. If you're slowing down and not recovering from your runs, you know, I would suggest taking out strength training and just focusing on the running. See if that helps. Okay. If it doesn't help, if you're still not recovering, you're doing too much running. <laughs> so you got to find the balance. Okay. So, uh, weightlifting, great. Uh, it's really actually great to introduce it in the preseason. Uh, you know, when you're taking a break, that's, it's a great time to, to introduce this new, um, this new, uh, discipline to your, your regimen, uh, when you're not running and that way your body is getting strong. It's, it's learning how to do these exercises. And then, uh, you know, as you begin running, you can continue to lift, do, you know, lift through your, uh, base phase. You know, if, if you're doing, um, uh, you know, basically block training, uh, then, you can continue to do it up until you reach your, your, your volume phase, which in ultra running again is about nine weeks out from your goal race. So you've got six weeks of high volume and then, you know, potentially two to three week taper. Okay. So, um, but you can listen to, uh, episodes seven, 15 and 92. Again, those are all strength training episodes. If you want to, uh, find out more. Um, but again, <laughs> I keep saying, but again, <laughs> um, be careful. And uh, really be cognizant of how much it's taking out of you, okay? Because, uh, like I said, you're not going to make too many gains by doing um, strength training. Yeah, I'd rather see that you know, be focused on adding more volume to your training, adding more running to your training, as long as it's not going to hurt you or make you too tired, okay? So I hope that answers your questions, Tara. Um, and so, you know, everybody, thank you for your questions once again. Uh, it, you know, uh, I appreciate that. It's, it's great to, to hear from you guys, uh, to, and to hopefully answer those questions. Um, you know, I, I spoke about my newsletter earlier, the April newsletter came out this past weekend. So, um, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, you can do so on my website. There's also a link in the show notes, uh, and you can find that newsletter again, posted on my website, mrrunningpains.com and check that out. So that that's, uh, out and available. Um, Hellbender podcast. Uh, we did the course update. So, um, and, and Hellbender podcast, I've got two more episodes and, uh, we're going to put that on hiatus for a little bit. Um, cause Hellbender is almost upon us and, um, you know, always looking for volunteers. So if you're free the weekend of May 6th and 7th, uh, We'll be, uh, we'll be at Hellbender, and if you can be there, we can thank you enough. So thank you to, to all the folks that shared my, my social media post. I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Um, you know, I, I was doing a call for volunteers and, and everybody just shared the, you know, the, <laughs> shared that post. I couldn't believe how, how many times it was shared. I thank you guys so much for that. It meant the world to me. Um, so yeah, Hellbender coming up real quick here. Um, things are looking great and, uh, I can't, I can't wait to see everybody for that. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's on my mind, um, <laughs> every day and I'm, I'm constantly doing something with Hellbender trying to get ready for it. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I thank to all the volunteers, uh, all the folks that are helping me, 
uh it's you know it's it's great i'm so glad that this race is coming back and um man it's so cool so um and thank you to my patreon folks um i can't thank those people enough you know i I keep the the podcast rolling uh, as soon as Hellbender's over, I'll get back on uh, YouTubing. Um, you know, it's I just I really, you know, as we talked about earlier with scheduling, I'm really just focused on coaching, coaching the high schoolers, my athletes. Um, you know, Hellbender, and just you know, trying to be a, a good dad and husband. So, um, but thank you to the Patreon folks for their support, so that I can continue to do this, uh, and you know, hopefully continue to answer questions. If you have a question, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, you know, some of the questions come by email, some come by Instagram, some come by Strava. However, you want to reach out, I am happy to receive questions and try to answer them on episodes like this. I just had a lot come in, so I figured I would do an episode. And um, yeah, well, what a <laughs> what a great, great, great um, community we have. I thank you guys for that. Um, also, wanted to mention a new book that just came out. Um, it's called How She Did It. Uh, I, I put it in the, um, newsletter, but it's a fantastic book about female running, uh, and you know, the success stories, uh, lessons learned. Uh, but it's, you know, again, it, even though it's, uh, how she did it, it's a wonderful book for runners. Um, you know, it gives us insight into how some of the best have done it so we can all take something from it. So, uh, the book is by Molly Huddle and Sarah Slattery. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, what a fantastic book. I thought I'd share that. Um, also have to say, uh, there has been some tremendous podcasts that have come out recently. Uh, you know, it's a lot of folks, since there's so many podcasts out there, have stepped up their game. And it's really great uh, you know, to, to hear these podcasts and, and hear the information that's being shared. There's just so much out there, you know, and, and folks are just so willing to share. And I, I think it's great. I think it's a great community. Um, I support it myself. And I'm, I, like I said, I can't thank you guys enough for, for supporting, um, you know, not only what I do, but what our community does. So, um, until next time, my friends keep running.